God's word is a fire in my bones and I cannot keep it in. We are not building an institution or a program. We are building the kingdom of God. This is Do Not Keep Silent. Welcome in to Do Not Keep Silent. Find us online at do not keep silent.com. My guest tonight, Katie Erickson. What are we going to go through? Ecclesiastes 5. Looking forward to sharing that with your friends. This is Do Not Keep Silent. Oh, don't be a push over. This is Do Not Keep Silent. Again, my name is Jason DeZurek, your host for the program. Katie, let's just dig right into it. And again, friends, you can find more about the ministry at do not keep silent.com. That's do not keep silent.com. And Ecclesiastes, we're going to dig into what again? Right now, we're going to dig into Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. And again, Katie is a blogger, author, and speaker for the ministry. So to start out, let's just read the scripture. So Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. So I, before I turn it over to you, it sounds like let your yes be yes and your no be no. Pretty much. I okay, mean, done. Let your word... <laughs> Be a word of someone who has good character and integrity. Yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much. I mean, there's more to it than that. But right. Yeah, you know. So, okay, this is yeah, exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so far, up to this point, the book of Ecclesiastes has consisted of the teacher trying to find meaning and purpose in this life and finding that every aspect of life is meaningless from a worldly sense. So here, he takes that one step further, encourages us to experience God's presence in order to find true meaning and satisfaction. So verse 1 instructs us to guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. So in chapter 4, right before this, the discussion of the teacher was about power, motivation, and authority. And here, the tone changes to quietly experiencing God's presence. This verse invites us to examine our motivation for being in God's presence. Are we there to be seen as when offering sacrifices, or are we going to experience God and listen to him? In our world today, it's so easy to get caught up in doing religious actions rather than simply being in God's presence to listen to him. We want to feel like we're accomplishing something to check those items off on our to-do lists rather than simply experiencing God's presence, sitting in silence to listen to him. While doing things like reading the Bible and studying the word are very worthwhile, our focus shouldn't be on doing those just for the sake of doing them. Our focus should be on experiencing God and feeling his presence in his word, 
we should have a mindset of prayer that encompasses both talking and listening to God. Huh, what a concept. I know, right? (laughs) Verse 2 expands on this idea of prayer a bit. It says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. How many of us are guilty of prayer consisting of only us talking and allowing no time for God to talk? That wouldn't work out very well in a conversation with a friend. So why do we think it's okay to do that with God? So that, that is a great question. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally guilty of that, too. So the teacher encourages us to do less talking and more listening in our prayer lives. So in verse 3, then, the teacher compares our prayers to dreams. Now, dreams generally don't have any real substance to them. And that's how our prayers are when they are simply a lot of words. When we pray, we're often so focused on ourselves that we lose focus of what truly matters, giving God glory and praising his name. When we talk too much, we're foolish because really the only thing that matters is God, not necessarily you know, what, what we are saying and the words we're using because our words are less important than our attitudes of our hearts and the fact that we need to stop and listen to God as well. So moving on then in verses 4 through 6, the teacher discusses vows. So the focus is that if we tell God we're going to do something, we really need to follow through with it. And it's foolish to do otherwise. Whatever the promise is, it's better to not make a commitment rather than to commit to something and to not do it. And as Jason quoted earlier, Mm. this is echoed in James 5.12, where it says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. You know, that is something it seems, at least to me, many people struggle with. Because, look, we we like being kind of the hero of things. We we like it when, oh, yeah, I can do that. But Mm -hmm. when you commit to too much, (laughs) you end up looking, well... I want to use the word yo-ho. You kind of end up looking like a fool, like it talks about. Yeah. When you say you're going to do something and then you totally bail on it and you don't follow through with it. Yeah. That's you're looking like a fool and it basically kills people's trust in you. Right. Right. And again, it it kind of goes with, at least for me, the saying of less is more. Be willing to not commit a bunch, but then do more. So in your mind, maybe going, okay, I think I can do that. I don't know if I can. Uh, you know, when it comes up, I'll just be there to help. And then now, instead of saying, I committed to this and you don't show up, you didn't commit to it and you still show up. Yeah, it's like the the lower expectations maybe of like, okay, well, I'm not going to do as much, but then you exceed those expectations by like right. showing up and doing more. But then you're also covered if something happens and you can't do what you said you were going to do because you didn't say it. Wisdom, that, that's what this book is full of, right? Exactly. Ecclesiastes, it's, it's all the wisdom of the teacher, which we believe is King Solomon, who was, you know, the wisest person to ever live because right. he asked God for wisdom and God said, okay, here you go. And I, I want to make sure we're clear too tonight. I don't believe that the author of Ecclesiastes is talking about 
well, you need to lower the bar. No. That's not what he's saying, right? No. He's, he's saying that, I mean, honestly, make sure that you're essentially having correct expectations of, you know, make sure if you do commit something, you you are going to follow through with it. You know, to not say, oh, yeah, I'll do this and this and this. And then you, you know, really have no intention of doing that. Have the right. appropriate expectations for, for what you will actually honestly do. Yes, absolutely. Let's continue on. All right. So for this idea of the vows and all of that, we're going to go back to the book of Judges. Ooh, and I bet Jason knows where we're going with this one. Uh huh. There's a story about a guy named Jephthah in Judges 11. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I know that's yeah, one of your favorites. It is. It's, it's part of why I picked this it's passage. It's one of my favorite stories, but it's also very sad. It is, yes. But that's part of why I picked this passage of Ecclesiastes, because I knew we'd be talking about Jephthah yes, with it. very good. So Jephthah makes a vow to God that if God helps him win a battle, he will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of his house when he returns home as a sacrifice to God to give him glory for winning that battle. But it looks like Jephthah wasn't necessarily thinking clearly when he made that vow. But once he made it, he was obligated to keep it. Unfortunately for him, the first thing to come out of his house after they did win the battle was his daughter. Mm. He told his daughter what he had done. They both made their peace with it. And Jephthah did fulfill his foolish vow. And he sacrificed his daughter to Mm basically to follow through on this vow that he made to God. On his word. Yeah. And so so the the good thing is he followed his word. Uh, The bad thing is he made a really bad vow. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. An unwise vow is what he did. But he was doing it because he believed he was honoring God. Yeah. And that's his intention was good. However, (laughs) the way he carried it out, not so good. Right. And that story from Judges is just one example of why should we not, we should not flippantly make vows or promises to God. I mean, as the teacher says in verse six of Ecclesiastes five, do not let your mouth lead you into sin. If you make a vow that you end up not being able to keep for whatever reason, you will be sinning when you break it. You know, and I, I want to just add this to yet. Yeah, yes, of course. Toward Almighty God. Absolutely. We don't want to be making vows. We don't want to be saying, I'll do this, you know, not flippantly doing this or a promise to God. But friends, let's even take it to other people. We should not be flippantly making vows or promises to, well, I'll just say it, to our children, to our spouse, to our parents, Friends, we should not be flipping. Yeah, I'll get to that, and I'll, I'll I'll fix that when I get a chance to. And then you never get to it. Just again, bringing it right down to, well, something very practical. For instance, children, your parents probably give you some chores to do in the house, and you're going, oh, I'll get to that. I'll get to doing the dishes uh, in about an hour. I'll get there, and blah blah, and then. Your mom or dad comes down. Now, this is your responsibility, by the way. So I'm not saying, you know, you're making some vow or whatever of, oh, I'll get the dishes done. No, you you had said, I'll do it in an hour. And then five hours later, they're still not done. You made a promise that you broke, really. You know, maybe you're, you're on your phone or you're, you know, listening to music or whatever it might be in your room and you just lose track of time. 
it goes with that too. Or am I just making light of it? No, I mean, that's not as serious, right, obviously, as a vow made to God telling Correct. your parents, I'll do the dishes in an hour. You know, Correct. that's that's a little different. But but the thing is, if you can be trusted with the little simple things, you can be trusted with the bigger things. And it all builds on that of, you know, if you keep your word, even with the little things of, you know, doing what you say you're going to do, then people will believe you when you get to something that's maybe bigger and more significant in life than doing the dishes when you said. Yes, absolutely. And again, that's how you get more responsibility in the long run when people start trusting you more. And And you've earned it. Exactly. It builds up your character of, you know, being a person of your word, you know, and that way that people know they can count on you. And sure, Mm -hmm. there will be times that you fail at that. It happens to all of us. Sure. But, you know, if most of the time people can count on you because you do what you say you're going to do, then that builds up trust in you as a person and helps your character and integrity. Right. And, And your reputation, meaning other people will start knowing you as that kind of a person. And so there, there's definite worth in that because when, and I hate even saying it that way, but when, as Katie said, sometimes you're not going to be able to follow through, something happens. When that happens, then you can be a person of character and integrity and go, I'm sorry, I messed up. Um, it, I didn't get to it because of X, Y, and Z. Will you please forgive me? Friends, that's part of living up the Christian life too, is Look, the the truth of the matter is God is God. We're not. So we're going to not just make mistakes. We're going to sin. So we need to be willing to say, well, humble enough to say, Mm -hmm. okay, I messed up there. Will you forgive me? I, I, I can't tell you enough how many times for me as just a person where I've had to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Now that's on them now to decide, okay, I'm going to forgive him. Now, I'm just going to be honest. Maybe there's some consequences that I still have to deal with from them. Like, like, look, they can forgive me, but that doesn't mean I gained all their trust back. Maybe they're still going to go, you know what? I forgive you. Uh, now I know for now I've got to pull back on that responsibility I'm giving you for a time. Maybe in the long run you can get some more trust from me. It, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, because when when somebody's trust in you is broken, it does take time to build that back. I mean, especially depending on the circumstances, if it was a big thing or a little thing. But, you know, there there is some variation there. But yeah, absolutely. Again, friends, you're tuned in to do not keep silent. My name is Jason DeZurek, your host for the program. Find us online at do not keep silent dot com. That's do not keep silent dot com. This is the Worldview Warriors Fastcast, your daily spiritual energy drink, with your host, Jason DeZurek. The general theme of Ecclesiastes is found in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Life in this world can appear to be meaningless, but as Ecclesiastes explores that concept, it also shows us where we can find our true purpose. Only in God. It may seem meaningless that God created our lives to be so frustrating and empty, but the truth is that God made mankind and all of creation to be perfect, and it's our own fault for messing everything up. Friends, go find our blog post on Ecclesiastes as Katie Erickson continues writing 
in this series. Find us online at worldviewwarriors.org. Yeah, go find us online at worldviewwarriors.org. That's worldviewwarriors.org. And just so you know, Katie is not continuing on in that series because Katie decided that she would release a book on it. So that's even better. Yes. With that said, Katie, is everything meaningless? No, it really isn't. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, how, well, in in your study, in your, you know, looking at prayerfully going through that wonderful book, and I'm just going to be honest again, as a young man, this book made me very depressed. And the reason, friends, it made me depressed is because I lived in the flesh as a young man. So it would make sense that I'd get depressed over this because what the teacher is talking about, and we're pretty sure it's King Solomon. Yes. The things he was talking about in there, if you live in the world, meaning you're of the world too, your mindsets of the world. Yeah. Things here are very fleeting and it's over before you know it. Exactly. And that's pretty much what the teacher is telling us throughout this book. Um, He goes through all different things like, Nature is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Pleasure is meaningless. Work is meaningless. Money is meaningless. You know, all these things that we as people in society strive toward, you know, having that good job, gaining pleasure, gaining money, you know, ambition and power is meaningless. All of that, everything that this world says you need to be successful, the teacher says, that's all meaningless. So if that's your worldview, that all of that stuff is what's important, yeah, Ecclesiastes is going to be a super depressing book for you because it's basically just basically just dashing your dreams and all of those things. Right. Absolutely. What What's coming to my mind is, yeah, yep, going to go here, C.S. Lewis with the Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. is Peter, King Peter, when he was hearing about Aslan... He was like, oh, yeah, this sounds great. Edmund, on the other hand, was fearful and freaking out. And he was because he had a worldview that was not of the kingdom of Aslan in the story of Chronicles of Narnia. It's the exact same thing, friends. It really is. If if you hear about Jesus, you hear about his kingdom, and if you're fearful or it makes you go, oh, I don't know about that, I, I want to do something else, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, would you maybe have a worldview, a mindset not of the Bible? Your, your mindset really is of the world. If you are chasing after money, chasing after property, chasing at, again, those things in and of themselves are not bad, okay? And I want to be, want to be clear on something regarding money. So many people think money is the root of all evil. That is not what the scripture says at all. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what it says. Money, and I have heard the arguments, let me tell you. Money is not evil. It is loving it. And it is wanting it so you can then, in your mind, go to do the good things you need to do. Does God really own a cattle on a thousand hills or not? Or do you want to be the one to own the cattle on a thousand hill, at least in your mind? By the way, you'll never own a a cattle on a thousand hills. You're going to be maybe, at best, someone that, oh, gets to take care of them. (laughs) 
I, d- I don't want to own any cattle. I'm R- good with not having right. cattle. Just saying. <laughs> well, you know, you, you like renting property. I do. We're going to use that. Sure. Now, that doesn't make you greedy, right? I hope not. No. Well, <laughs> I'm asking because no, it does not. I'm bringing it up. Because, okay, so you you will buy property to rent it to try to help people, mm-hmm. but you're not doing it to build your own little kingdom. Nope. Are we, you? we only joke about that, how we have this like little mini empire, <laughs> but it really is just joking. I'm not like doing this for the sake of, I need all the properties. No. I'm doing it because if I can have the, God has blessed me with the money to invest in mm-hmm. buying a property that can then give somebody else a good, safe place to live. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, Sadly, so many people seem to think that's greedy. No, greedy is wanting something that you don't have and saying, it's theirs, I want it. I'm going to take it from them. I'm going to steal it from them. That's greed. And until we as Christians start buying into that and understanding that, I don't know if we're going to be able to move forward much. Not being mean. I know I keep saying it a lot tonight, but... That's about how I feel about it. We've got to speak the truth. Yes, we're trying to do it in love. Again, Katie, let's hear a little bit about your resource that was just recently released. It's called The Teacher, and it's available in paperback and Kindle. And where is it available, and what is it? It is available at worldviewwarriors.org. You can find links there to go buy your copy. Um, so it is The Teacher, A Study Guide Through Ecclesiastes, available in a paperback book or on Kindle. And it basically just walks you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes to just dig into it, see what this book meant to King Solomon as he was writing it, and see what it means to us and for our lives today. Absolutely. Again, it is a study guide through Ecclesiastes, highly recommended. The teacher written by Katie Erickson, you can find it at worldviewwarriors.org. That's worldviewwarriors.org. It is available in paperback and Kindle. And Katie, as we wrap up uh, this time for, well, with the program, but we've been looking through Ecclesiastes 5 tonight, right? Yes, we've been looking at verses 1 through 7. So with that, let's take some time. We'll wrap this up a little bit, and we'll get back to what's going on. All right. Well, we've talked about the first six verses, so let's talk about verse 7. So the teacher wraps up this little section of the book with these words in verse 7. He says, Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. So the way in which we approach God must be realistic. We should not commit to what we can't follow through on. Remember the previous three verses, he was talking about making vows and make sure that you do what you say you're going to do. So we need to remember, though, that God puts the highest value on our heart's condition and motivation. Spend time quietly being in God's presence rather than praying with empty words. Listen to what God is saying to you. Don't just talk at him. In your prayers, don't make vows or promises that you may not be able to keep, but instead strive to spend some time with God and discover what he has for your life. So as the teacher, you know, before you you say that, I just want to want to encourage our listeners for for those of you hearing this and going, okay, that that sounds uh, great and dandy. But, you know, so and so, whoever that is, you know, they've made a commitment and they said they're going to do it. Well, I'm going to hold them to that standard, and I'm going to keep them accountable. That's great, okay? 
Now, I just want to encourage you. When that person, if they did not do what they said they were going to do, and if they come at you in humility and they ask for forgiveness and they say, you know, I did screw up. I'm sorry. Please, not just for their sake, but for your own sake, forgive them. Forgive them and move on and let that person again try to build up that trust with you. Give them the opportunity to build up the trust. I'm not saying that you should just, all right, I'm going to give them all the responsibility I gave them before. No, they might not be ready for that. And I just encourage you, take that on as responsible for yourself and say, you know what? I know this person can't handle it, so I'm going to do my best to give them enough so that, well, they can do what they need to do, but then they can grow and learn and become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Does that make sense, Katie? It does. Yes. Because friends, it's about loving each other. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. You already know the kingdom of God is a mindset. It is not a place. It's a spiritual awakening. It truly is a lifestyle. And we as Christians have to show the world what this really looks like. Exactly. And as the teacher says, you know, he wraps up this verse in the section by saying, therefore, fear God. So everything, everything outside of our fearing God is meaningless. Fearing God, acknowledging and praising his awesome greatness and power in reverence. That is what we are created to do. That is exactly what gives our lives meaning and is not meaningless. Absolutely. And friends, I just encourage you to really dig into the book of Ecclesiastes. I think you're going to, well, find a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you. And we have a great book to help you do that. Absolutely. What is it again? The Teacher, A Study Guide Through Ecclesiastes, which you can find at worldviewwarriors.org. Written by Katie Erickson, available in paperback and Kindle. Again, you can find it at worldviewwarriors.org. That's worldviewwarriors.org. Don't be a pushover, friends. And this is Do Not... Keep silent. online at do not keep silent.com.